Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter-day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings, from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Welcome back, Scriptorians. This is Lori, and we are headed into 2 Nephi, Chapter 1 and Chapter 3, and we read about Lehi's blessings to his sons. All right, Scriptorians, we are headed right into the scriptures for Come Follow Me, and you'll note that I am going to jump over 2 Nephi 2, and we'll do that separately because it's so much uh, material, and I think we can cover that uh, blessing of Lehi there. So so today we're going to do a little bit of chapter one and chapter three for Come Follow Me. All right, so this is some of the last of kind of the storytelling that we get from Father Lehi as we change into uh, a lot of sermonizing, a lot of scripture quoting, prophesying, and some really strong scriptures. Um, fascinating to read, sometimes a little harder to read, which we talked about last time. Now, if you go from the very end of second Nephi or first Nephi and going into transitioning into first Nephi they read very uh, much like a flow right so if you go back and read those two you'll see that um, that we see well let's just do them together let's do it knock it out hold on so first Nephi ends with Nephi explaining some of the prophecies about um, from Zenic and Zenus and Isaiah and he's wrapping up the prophecies about the coming Messiah, but also about the covenant going out as the scattering of Israel and the gathering of Israel. And so he is recovering, is going over that with his brothers and maybe sisters too. And then they're like, hey, and he's going over what's on the plates of brass. Uh, We don't have those exactly, but I kind of always think of those as being kind of the Old Testament. That seems to be the majority of it. And they're like, what does it mean, these things, what you've told? And how are we supposed to understand them? Are they spiritual or are they going to come to pass in the flesh? I mean, is this an analogy or is this actual? Uh, I have asked myself that very question hundreds and thousands of times in the scripture. Is this an analogy or is this historical? Um, And they're asking the same things. And as he goes through and explains about the uh, Holy One of Israel coming and the things that are going to actually happen in real life in the coming Uh, times he says that I'm going to make an end and he says I would you can you know consider what you've been you know what what are written on the plates of brass and and remember that they're true and they testify that a man must be obedient to the commandments of God now he's telling them because they tend to have a hard time with this right so he's like hey brothers figured out but also wherefore you need not suppose that I and my father are the only ones that have testified and also taught them wherefore it shall be obedient to the commandments if ye shall be obedient to the commandments and endure to the end, ye shall be saved in the last day, and thus it is. Amen. 
So that's kind of how First Nephi ends. And then Second Nephi goes right on, and there's a little introduction. Um, but then it says, And now it came to pass that after I, Nephi, made an end of teaching my brethren, our, fr- our father Lehi also spake many things unto them and rehearsed unto them how great things the Lord hath done for them in bringing them out of the land of Jerusalem. It feels like you just turn the page, right? Like it's an unnatural chapter break. Um, but there does seem to be a break in the Book of Mormon from the way that uh, Nephi wrote it, right? We talked about it being a separate. So it might be he's trying to tie them together. So you're leaving these prophecies that he's been reading about the plates of brass. And then there's this little transition, this great little segue that he says, and now I want to tell you about what Lehi. So that's what we're going to start with is that Lehi is going to uh, cover some of the information and, and blessings about what's going to have happened um, to his uh, to his family before he passes away. So they've now gotten to the new world, and he's going to t- explain some of the key things. And so one of the first things that he does is he says, hey, uh, I love how it says it rehearsed unto them. That's a great phrase. I rehearsed unto them how great the things the Lord hath done in bringing them out. And he said he talked about, um, Leah talks about three or four uh, chapter uh, verses two, three, four, Lehi tells them about the rebellions and even though they were rebellious on the waters and we're like oh remember that story um that God was merciful in sparing their lives and they weren't lost in the sea and and so remember that one right even though when we rebel or we struggle or we are just downright terrible the Lord can still be merciful and in this case he was with the brothers and then he also spake unto them concerning the land of promise which they had obtained so he's saying hey Laman and Lemuel you guys have actually obtained the land of promise. This is the land of promise. And then again, how merciful the Lord has been that he warned us that we should flee out of the land of Jerusalem. So we could have been destroyed. And then he says, because I've seen in a vision and I know that Jerusalem is destroyed. And had we remained in Jerusalem, we would have perished. So that puts us about uh, 586 BC is when uh, Jerusalem is taken over. It takes more than a year, but just, you know, it's about 10-ish years from the time that they left Jerusalem, somewhere in there. And so they have now obtained the land of promise. But who's obtained? It's it's also Laman and Lemuel and their families. So, so Lehi's reminding them of the blessings that they've had. And I love the words that he uses here, that he's using mercy, sparing their lives, um, again, mercy and warning them. And they would have perished and been destroyed. And yet uh, in five, and he, notwithstanding our afflictions, we have obtained the land of prom, a land of promise, a land which is choice above all our lands, a land which the Lord God hath covenanted with me, should be a land for the inheritance of my seed. Yea, the Lord hath covenanted this land unto me and to my children forever, and also those who should be led out of all of other countries by the hand of the Lord. All right. So let's let's stop here and, and talk about this. This is going to be some of the, the fundamentals that we need to know because it's going to come over and over. And I want to draw on a couple things that just jumped out at me that are super Hebrew in the scriptures now. Um, and one of them is that he uses a phrase about the land. And when they talked about land, it might be a little different than we think of a land. If you'd say like the land of liberty, you'd be like, it's America. Um, and you mean the United States of America. You don't always include Canada or Mexico or uh, Guyana or Paraguay or Colombia or something else. You're not like, well, some of these lands are free too. Um, nope, nope. You, we just think land and we think land mass, like 
North and South America. At least that's how I kind of grew up reading this, my very Western American viewpoint. Um, but if you were from an, uh, a Semitic culture from uh, Ju- Jerusalem and, and you were from there, remember they talk about like the land of Egypt or the land of my fathers or the land um, Abraham is hoping for a land. It's kind of smaller, actually, right? It's more of a political entity, to be honest. It's, it's not like I inherited the West Bank or I inherited North America or I in- inherited Australia, the land, right? You're thinking this land mass. They talk about kind of a political area and they're kind of smaller. And in fact, very soon you're going to see that they start talking about the Lamanites trying to get the land of promise. So the Lamanites are living outside of it. So they're certainly not using the term like we do. Um, it's a little bit smaller. And again, it's not, well, maybe it's not so much size, but it's political or um, righteousness or something. But just just note that it's a little bit different than we might think, at least different than I thought about. The other thing that jumps out at me is he uses a word um, that is really Hebrew, and he talks about his seed all the time and his family. So sometimes we're going to see this allegory of the branch, the root, the tree, the seed, the vine, of being the covenant family of, um, could be the whole covenant family, right? The branches of Jacob. And so you'll see in Genesis 49 when Israel is blessing his sons, right? He blesses Ephraim and he is a branch, right? That is, grows over the wall and goes by well. And, you know, she's like, what? This branch. And so he's doing that. And then we're also going to see that there's a seed in Isaiah. And so you're going to see this, this kind of theme, this, this agricultural tree theme. Um, but the other thing that's really interesting is that word is similar to what we use in English, but uh, zera uh, in Hebrew is seed. And it could be seed like we think, like you sprinkle seeds out to put something in the garden, but it also is offspring. And so I, it just jumps out at me how Hebrew-y this sounds when you read it in English, that it's like an, I'm, an inheritance of my seed. Um, is very, sounds like you read that right out of uh, Genesis. So he's saying, tying, I think, the two things together. One, it's super interesting to me that it's in Hebrew, but two, it's also interesting that the covenants are going to come back to family, and he's going to use that analogy of roots, vines, seeds, plants, trees, right? So we'll see it there too. So very, very often you're going to see those, the branches, the seed, the root, the stem, right? You're going to see that. But here's another interesting point in verse five, that the covenants that have been made, that this land of promise is a land that is choice above all other lands. And they've covenanted with me that it should be a land for inheritance of my seed. So for, for Lehi saying, this is for my family, but he's also, it says the Lord hath covenanted, um, for his children forever. And also all those who should be led out of other countries by the hand of the Lord. Clearly, Lehi has seen that other people are there. We haven't even met the Mulekites and the Jaredites and their, and their families yet. But uh, he's, he's seen visions of those. But we also know that others are going to be called to this land of promise. So it isn't just this is only for Lehi's family, but anybody else. So this is, this is the Lord's land. This is uh, Yahweh's land. This is his covenant land that he is going to gift. It isn't Lehi's land. It isn't my land. It isn't 
Nephi's land. It's the Lord's land that he is going to give as a land of promise and a covenant. And it could be for others. Indeed, it's saying it's going to be for others that he is going to lead out. Okay. So, um, and then he covers that again. I, Lehi, prophesy according to the workings of the spirit which is in me, and there shall be none come into this land, save they shall be brought by the hand of the Lord. Wherefore, this land is consecrated unto him whom he shall bring. And if it so be that they shall serve him according to the commandments which he hath given, it shall be a land of liberty unto them. Wherefore, it shall never be brought down into captivity. If so, it shall be because of iniquity. For if iniquity shall abound, cursed shall be the land for their sakes. But unto the righteous, it shall be blessed forever. Um, so fascinating that this land has like a blessing and oh, and a responsibility, right? This land um, that that's there could be that you have to be righteous, that you have to serve the Lord. And if you don't, then you might lose it. Uh, later, we're going to see that it actually says that there'll be no king in this land. Um, so a part of the thing is there's no king. They're very worried, unless it's the Lord himself as the king of all, um, as Jesus. However, for the rest, no, you wouldn't be an iniquitous ruler here. Okay, so that's the first point is that it's going to be Lehi and he's going to be preaching about the land. Okay, let's take a, an aside here and let's talk about these blessings. So we've seen a blessing that has come upon Lehi and his family, his seed, all the generations, as well as anybody else that the Lord is going to bring, you're going to see the blessings of the land of promise. Now, we've seen a lot of these in, in our scripture as well as patriarchal blessings. And so let's take a pause and let's just talk about those because I think it, it's going to be a lot of insight into what's going to happen with these blessings and potentially the loss of these blessings or what they call a curse. We don't use that term very much. And so don't let that freak you out. But the blessings and the cursings that we see through the Old Testament. Now, the first place that you're going to see this is in Genesis, actually. So you're going to see a blessing and a curse, uh, or at least a blessing, when the Lord creates uh, the earth. So as the Lord is creating the earth, he blesses it, and it brings forth um, its all the various things. So it's, you know, the fruits and the animals and uh, all of it and he blesses it and says it's good in fact he says in the genesis version he says five times it is good and then at the completion at the sixth day he says it is very good so it's a point at which the blessing is giving what is a blessing then it's it's giving rights responsibilities favor um some portion of creation that god has blessed and if you think about it with humanity the blessing of being one of God's own people, it ble it brings responsibility, it brings relationship. So now you're bringing, God is inviting you into his family. So part of the blessing is not just these benefits of um, uh, f fertility of the land and of a family and various rights and you think of we just think of blessing it's like good things I'm going to get a bunch of good things it's not just that but on top of that and kind of encircling that idea of blessing is the concept of you're bringing brought into the Lord's own people into his family so it's relationship, it's relational, and it's a presence, the Lord's presence in your life. So if you think back to the Garden of Eden story, right, he's walking and talking with them, and then they are, they take from the knowledge, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then they are cast out and they're cursed, and there's a separation. And then 
that separation you'll see is, is a separation from God himself. So it's a very similar thing going on there. So the blessings of God could be life, strength, fertility. Uh, those are big, right? Those are life itself. Um, and they're largely things that you can see and they become what we call manifestations, right? But they could also um, be something else. Um, in contrast, think about the Cain story for a second. Cain is cursed and Cain understands that he is not going to have the these overt blessings of God. And so after God curses Cain, he summarize, excuse me, summarizes the curse as a loss of, of both the benefits being driven away from the ground and access to the Lord. It says, I'll be hidden. Your face, sh- I shall be, uh, shall be hidden from me. So he's driven from the ground, the land, and he can't see the face. So a similar cursing that we have from the garden when we're cast out, right? It's going to create briars and thorns, and then we will not be in the Lord's presence. But then he's trying to bring us back. And you see that through the temple symbolism, right? He's bringing us back into his presence where plants and animals and light and the tree, as well as his presence. We're entering into his presence. And the same um, you see with the divine blessing, you know, that he will be with us um, in Genesis 26, 13. So, so this blessing cursing is, is just pervasive in general. There is also, um, the idea that he starts to bless these families. The Lord starts to bless the family. So you see from Adam and then just jump to Abraham, for example, and he says that he will be, uh, it says that Adam, I'm sorry, Abraham is, uh, walking with God. Um, he is in his presence and so we get that relational situation that uh, is so important to us as we try to regain his presence. And he wants us to be his loving family and welcomes back in. So then he gives, uh, the Lord gives us blessings to Abraham, for example, in the Abrahamic covenant, um, which is part of the new and everlasting covenant, right? And it says, I will be your God and to you and your family. Um, and then his descendants get it so Isaac I will be with you I will bless you and then also uh, later um, he tells him that's that Isaac is going to be blessed of the Lord he's going to be with him and so he expresses it to Jacob um, in 28 um, Genesis 28 behold I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you so over and over the Lord proclaims that these blessings is is somehow a relationship, is somehow bringing you back into his presence. So it's it's not just a part of the blessing. It's not like a checklist. I'm going to have the land, and then I'm going to be prosperous, and then I'm going to be, you know, this, this, this. It is part, the very core is being back with the Lord. And you see that with Lehi. So as Lehi says, we are going to uh, benefit if, of the, having this blessing of this, of the land, it's the Lord's land, right? It's the Lord. And he's saying, I'm going to give it to you and everybody else that I bless. And you're going to have these, this covenant, um, for my, for the family. And you'll be let out by the other, um, let out of whatever lands. And the Lord will lead us to this promised land. And then he is going to be our Lord. So it's pretty, pretty cool. And then you'll see even the contrast between the blessings and the cursings. So right in Second Nephi 1, 7, 
It talks about the land being consecrated, the blessings that are going to be coming. But if, if iniquity or sin, then it shall be cursed for your sake. It's so that it brings you back. It reminds you it's for your sake, but these blessing and curses tend to go together. So it's, it's really cool when you look at it because you think, wow, this is, this is just kind of this unique Book of Mormon thing. And you're like, nope, super common theme that we see throughout the scriptures and anciently would have been used in the language that, that they would have understood. A little bit different for our day, but not much. So as we still walk in the covenants, we still have these blessings that we can be given. Now, there's another kind of blessing that's going to come up, and we're going to hit that next, and that is the blessing of the patriarch to a family member, uh, giving it down to the, uh, pushing it on down. So think about what we've learned about this first introduction to Second Nephi 1. We haven't even gotten into three, but take a breath. Think about these are the blessings of the Lord welcoming us into his presence, and as he is giving this transition from Lehi, it's going to go down to Nephi and to all the seed, all the offspring, all the family as the Lord is trying to bless them and, and give them, give them blessing, the land and his own presence as their Lord. All right, scriptorians, keep reading. That is second Nephi one, at least a little bit and some concepts there. Keep on reading and may the Lord bless you as you continue to study his righteous word.